Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, you are listening to Nobody Cares Except For Me, a podcast by Auntie Donahue, whose voice this is. Isn't that exciting to connect those two dots? Um, hi. Okay. Really exciting guest today. Here's the thing. A while ago, she interviewed me. But guess what? The tables have turned. And now (laughs) we're going to talk about something very near and dear to, I think, a lot of the internet's heart. Without further ado, Norhan, Hishan, why don't you talk to the internet? (laughs) Hello. What are we going to talk about today? Um, Today we're going to talk about something that everybody advised me not to talk about When I told them that I was coming on your podcast, my mom asked me this morning, she's like, what are you going to be talking about? And I said, I'm going to talk about Point Break. And she let out the biggest sigh. So I know I've made the right decision. You made the best decision because we're not talking about Point Break of the remake bullshit. No, whatever. We just happened. That's not. No. This is Keanu. Yeah. This is Patrick. 1991 cult classic. So my first question is, as you are a younger person, (laughs) you're in your early 20s, what the hell did you do to 1991's Point Break? Like, what was it that you were like, this fucking film, hell yeah. I'm so glad you asked because the answer is um, unfathomable amounts of stress. Really? Yes. So as you know, I'm currently um, a student at UFT where I'm wrapping up my degree and um last year I went through like the beginning of last year it was super stressful I had like a million essays to write and like so many things to do and it was all just piling up and I'm like I can't do it so I'm like I'm gonna watch a movie you know self-care relax a bit and I thought um there was like a Keanu Reeves like renaissance that was emerging Absolutely accurate. Um, and I found out on Tumblr because, yeah, I'm still on Tumblr. I'm still on Tumblr. <laughs> Tumblr's the best. It's really fun. It is. Yeah. It's not like a, I don't feel like I have to, like, just can live there. I'm never going to leave. Don't I ever don't leave. Care. No. Um, so I thought, okay, I'll watch a Keanu Reeves movie, but I don't didn't want to watch The Matrix because I didn't really, like, care. There, I said it. I don't care about The Matrix. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, that is, the, I guess, like, goodbye. Naran. It's so nice to talk to you. Um, and that's it this week for Nobody Cares. <laughs> but yeah, I decided, I, I saw Point Break and I thought a surfer movie that looks really good because it was like the winter and it was really cold. So I started watching Point Break and I thought, holy, can I swear? Of course. Holy shit. This is the best thing that I've ever seen. It has everything. Keanu Reeves, Patrick Swayze, um, FBI, surfer gangs, gunshots, car chases, skydiving. Um, it does have all of those things. It has masks. It has, like, stabbings, fights. It has Anthony Kiedis from Red Hot Chili Peppers. It has Lori Petty in it the has, haircut she has had for decades and decades. It has Gary Busey before we found out that he's, like, a legit neo-Nazi. Like. Yeah. yeah, that's a bummer. That's I, But it was before. Yeah. It was the, ni- it was <laughs> the, the 90s. 90s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was 
it changed my life. And then um, I just kept watching it over and over again, like in the background as I wrote essays. It literally became like a coping mechanism. I understand that. And then it became like enmeshed in my, like it became a character trait. Like, oh, that's Norhan. Like she really likes Point Break. And then people would, like, start sending me, like, Keanu-themed gifts. Like, my friend Elizabeth got me, like, a vintage Keanu Reeves calendar from the year that I was born, which I'm not going to say, but it was the 90s. It was the 90s. (laughs) Yeah, and then people would be like, oh, well, just letting you know. They'd give me, like, tips, you know. They'd be like, just letting you know, like, it's playing at TIFF. You should go watch it. I'm not going to come with you, but go watch it. (laughs) It's a good film, though. It is. It's very calming. I think it's because of the the beach scenes, the waves. (laughs) I also think that, like, is it not um, uh, the director? Catherine Bigelow. Yes. Yeah. Was it not one of her first? Yeah, it was. I think it was her second or third film. She had made Blue Steel before that with Jamie Lee Curtis, who also plays um, not an FBI agent, but a police officer. Mm. Um, yeah, so it is her, Point Break is her most poorly received film, but it is her most commercially successful at the time. Also, in retrospect, watching it now, mm-hmm. it isn't, like, when you think about all of the movies that exist in the world, it is certainly not in the worst category. If you watch it as a parody of hypermasculinity, it can turn into a very intellectual film. Now, that's interesting that you put that spin on it. It's almost like you brought the notes from a, <laughs> ma- a major assignment you did for school with you. Yes. Um, in which I believe you wrote on that very topic. <laughs> Yes, um, I took uh, I took a course at school with um, a really amazing prof who was like trained by Eve Kosofsky Sedgwick, who trained Maggie Nelson. And I thought, oh my god, like this is my time to shine. Like I'm gonna learn so much. Um, and she gave us this assignment where we had to write a piece of art criticism, and people were writing about like cal- classical music and theater and Monet, and I was like, I'm going to write about Point Break because <laughs> I have a lot of things to say. And I wrote about how Point Break is basically like Catherine Bigelow's way of like flipping the male action genre on its head to like make fun of it, but it's also about how like Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze's characters are in love. And I wrote this whole elaborate thing and then and my prof was like, I just um I don't get what you're trying to say. And at the time I was so like sad. I was like, this is the best thing that I've ever written in my life. And I was revisiting it last night and um and it's garbage. Is it bad? <laughs> is it really bad? There's so much going on. There's so much that's happening. I mean, let's okay for those at home. Let's give us a, let's give an example, and I will judge on behalf. Like, I mean, I have tried school a bunch of times, so we'll yeah. just put those together and pretend that it means I have a degree. And I will tell you if your criticism is authentic or not. Okay, so basically, um, what did I say? I was saying that she kind of like. <sighs> Like, essentially, what is happening in Point Break? It's a group of white men that are engaging in, like, violence and crime for no apparent reason because they all seem to be well off. And they live in California, which is an expensive place to live. So everything seems fine, but they're just like, no, I think I don't want to get a job, so I'm going to, like, rob a bunch of banks and continue surfing. Not professionally, but just for fun, which is what Patrick Swayze's character Bodhi does. He's a babe in that movie. He Hotter than Johnny Castle times a thousand. I said it. Deal with it. He's... I. I love Pat so much. And he wanted to do his own like skydiving Aww. in the film. 
um, and like dance in the air, but they wouldn't let him because of contracts. But I still think he's very cool. Come back and talk about Pat sometime. Yeah, we should do that. That would be great. But yeah, so what did I write? The, the film turns reckless athletic valor into a new form of aristocracy. <laughs> I think that's great. Am I an asshole? Because I was like, that's a really valid point. But then I wrote really corny stuff like, Bigelow gorges the viewer with cliche action shots bypassing the brain and plunging directly into our viscera. But she does do that. <sighs> I think you're an academic who's been reading academia, academia too long and now you're criticized. Where me, a dumb person, is like... That is super smart sounding, and I also think very <laughs> accurate. I don't think this is bad at all. I think all of this is pretty valid. Um, maybe your prof should come on this podcast and defend her shitty views. Yeah, maybe we should have a debate. Like, you bring both of us here, and then we have a debate. And then I just, her mic's not on, and only anyone here. Yeah, and it's you. just me. <laughs> it's just Ta- you. It's just me talking about everything that I just talked about today. And we talk about Ghost a lot, because Patrick Swayze. Exactly. And then we throw in some dirty dancing, and we're like, he was for sure a drifter in that film, but that's fine. Exactly. We literally talked about that on another podcast, so it's okay. Um, What I really loved about the film is just how, like, Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze are two very attractive men, but they're not, like, macho men. They have some feminine qualities, and that's what made Keanu Reeves, like, so popular, I think, that in the 90s and until now, is that he does have masculine feminine qualities and, like, a very gentle face. Like, he's incapable of being like super duper serious and intense even john wick like in john wick when he's literally like avenging the death of his puppy it's for the he's doing it for his puppy it's such a keanu storyline like the death of his puppy yes and he's always appeared in films where it's kind of like well is he being presented as queer isn't he being presented as queer like when you look at um oh my god what's it called with river phoenix my own private idaho yeah i never saw that my friend who was obsessed with um keanu in high school yeah she was like come over and watch it and i was like i just want to watch the matrix again like i don't know if it's just me but every time i see keanu in a movie and there's like some kind of buddy involved i'm like they're in love keanu also has like a very longing gaze which i think is why he's also so memeable because every, <laughs> like he's like almost like the opposite of how you know how ben affleck looks like he's ready to launch himself into space in like, like every a brick wall yeah and you're also like sad you're so fucking sad dude and also it's okay if he just owned it and was like i'm depressed i'd be like sick so is everyone let's all hang out talk t- about our therapy it's great it's wonderful but keanu's almost like he's almost like a little imp like a little magical boy he is which is maybe why when my friend had a crush on him in high school i i've never seen him as someone that like i feel like when you have a crush on a celebrity especially if you're younger and you're in teen years and stuff yeah you're like and I want to, like, marry him and I want have his babies. And I never wanted to take off Keanu's pants. Not because I didn't think yeah. he was, like, attractive, but because it was that almost like, no, you're above all of it. Like, it's almost like a, I just a visceral quality. Like, braid his hair. Yeah, like, I want him to play with my hair and hear me complain. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Um, when the Weinstein thing broke out, there was a headline about Keanu and it was like all your faves were falling one by one. And there was a headline about Keanu and I got so scared and a friend sent it to me and I was like, why do you, why would you do this to me? That is you know? actually me. Let me find out naturally. And the headline said, Keanu Reeves accused of treating multiple women really well and taking them on very nice dates. <laughs> I believe you. I creeped it. All his exes have nothing but positive things to say about he it. He seems like a good person. And he's like friends with all of them. Yeah. That's something that I would love to be able to do. Well, I think only certain actors, too, can kind of like manage the type of renaissance that he has managed. Because there's a lot of actors who try to stage a comeback and yeah. become parodies of themselves. But he didn't do that. He disappeared. Because he I back. don't think that he 
See, it wasn't a comeback. We we went to Keanu. He didn't come back to us. Oh. Keanu was just being. This Keanu. is profound. I feel like I'm going to church, but I we like family found found Jesus. Him. Like <laughs> someone called him like a practicing alchemist. Like he led us to him. There's just something very spiritual and prophetic about him. And I think that we went to Keanu. We sought him out. And we made Twitter accounts tracking his every move. You know, the Twitter account, Keanu doing things. Mm -hmm. I love it. It's very I love joyous. It. it is so great. I love seeing Keanu sitting at like different cafes in LA, like imbibing things. He belongs, like he to me like, I mean, we would never work as a couple because I'm way too high strung and I'm much and too... And you're both Virgos. It just wouldn't be... <gasps> oh, yeah. It's oh, too much. It's too much. Oh, my God. It'd be, like, a very sad time for everybody involved. But he... Be- like, I think of, like, the West Coast. Like, that... He <laughs> is that. Yes. Like, Point Break doesn't feel like a stretch for Keanu. He's like, I feel like he would act like throw, end up amongst these thieves Keanu Reeves isn't a person Keanu Reeves is a place Keanu Reeves. <laughs> we're sobbing I'm like 2 minutes in the rest is I'm like don't cut any of this out I'm at church <laughs> He's like I don't like this <laughs> She's usually mad I like it better when she's mad <laughs> So when you watched Point Break and you had your come to Jesus moment, yeah. was this the first Keanu film that you connected with in this way? I never really actually paid attention. Like Keanu Reeves films were playing in the background um, because I was like growing up in the early 2000s. But I've never sat down and watched a full Keanu Reeves film from beginning to finish until I watched Point Break, which was the first time that I was like consciously paying attention to what was Keanu Reeves was doing in the film. And then I watched it like 54 more times that month. Naturally. And then I developed some really strong opinions. Those opinions are valid. It is yeah. a love story. It is. Because I think, honestly, what Catherine Bigelow did, and there have been interviews where Patrick Swayze has confirmed this, but it like feeds on this like sexualized pleasure of male bonding, mm-hmm. where it's kind of like, are we friends or are we more than that? And it it is a love story when you look at it, because Keanu Reeves' character, Johnny Utah, is supposed to be like out catching the um, the leader of like the gang leader of the ex presidents, which is th- what they call themselves, and Rob Banks I, wearing like Ronald Reagan masks. I have to talk about why I'm attracted to Patrick Swayze when he's doing that. I don't know why. I think I'm just I'm like oh the power. Like so that's where we're at. <laughs> and you're very much a first lady type. Thank you, you are. Yeah, you give off like Jackie. I don't want to see. Is Jackie O derogatory? I mean, she was certainly on amphetamines during that whole stretch. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, we talked about this when we, we watched did The Crown. Talk about this, that Doctor Feelgood <sighs> shook me up. Yeah, like it's like goes in conjunction, like um, a little sidebar here in Mad Men when Cutler gets his doctor to come in. Yeah, that was like the rigor du jour, mm-hmm. where like everybody was like, I think that's kind of like a bit of a nod and a wink to Doctor Feelgood yeah. because. Every Everybody was just like fucked all the time on vitamins. <laughs> and in reality, they were very much on speed. And even Marilyn Monroe was on amphetamines. Yeah. Yeah. All your faves. All my all my problematic faves. <laughs> you come to my house, it's like all like those James Dean and Marilyn murals from like the late 90s. And you're like, oh, no. I got, this was an inside joke that we had. Anyways, thank you. Very attracted to Patrick Swayze robbing a bank wearing a mask. Yeah. And um, so Johnny sent to infiltrate the... <laughs> 
the gang by infiltrating the local surf scene through um, Lori Petty's character, Tyler Ann Endicott. A.K.A. Pixie Hair. Yes. Very strong luck. for She can carry it off. She is mesmerizing. But it destroyed me when I was a kid to find out that Kit in League of Their Own, that was a wig. Her what? Yeah, it wasn't Lori's hair. She had a wig on. I need to go wig shopping. Yeah. But, yeah, so basically he becomes a part of this gang and he, like, bonds really... He has a very strong bond with Bodie, and he's been given so many opportunities to catch him. And there's one scene in particular where Patrick Swayze's wearing the, I think it's the Nixon mask, and running away. And him and Johnny lock eyes. And he recognizes in those baby blues that that's Bodie. And he just stops. He just stops right there and he like falls on the floor, like pretends to be hurt or something and like falls on the ground. And then Johnny like empties his gun oh, into the this. air. <laughs> and I took that so seriously and literally and like put like a gender politics spin on it when I wrote my assignment. And I was like, Johnny Utah embodies the phallus and takes it up into oh, the air shit. and unloads it. That's great. I, I rebuke you, heterosexuality. I'm in love. Holy shit. That I'm is... sick and tired okay. of cis-heteropatriarchy. And I love Bodhi. This is fucking... That's some real shit. Okay, we're pausing for a commercial. You guys sit with that and fucking think about it. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. All right, we are back. I hope you thought about everything that you just heard because holy shit, that is fucked and true. <laughs> they are in love. They are in love. They do. Even in the end of the even in the end of the movie when um he finally like after a really long time, like a year maybe, um he, when he lets Patrick, Patrick Swayze run away, he goes and follows him to Bells Beach, Australia, where the 50-year storm is happening, mm. which um Bodie's character talks about throughout the film as being like the ultimate ride, which is what he wants in life. That's what he's seeking out, the ultimate ride. So Johnny goes to Bells Beach, Aus- Bells Beach, Australia and finds him, brings with him the Nixon mask, of course, and he's like, you know, dude, like what? <laughs> He doesn't actually say that. I but don't remember what he says. Let's say he's, he, I like that dialogue. Let's just stick with him. He's like, Dude, I love you <laughs> so much. Let's do this. Yeah. And then it turns into that vine where it's like, I love you, bitch. I never gonna stop loving you, that's bitch. Exactly. That, that's what, what he says and that's in the 1991. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, like he could have caught him then, but he just like lets him go. Because he loves him. Yeah. And then he throws, like, he throws the Nixon, first he throws the Nixon mask in the water. And then after Bodhi leaves, he throws his FBI badge. Because they're going to be together. Closing an era. They're going to be together in the afterlife. I mean, Johnny's alive, but Patrick, like, dies. I mean. Like, he literally rides into his death. Or does he? Yeah, he does. But does he? That should have been the second point break. Yeah. Not of- that silly little excuse. I watched the trailer and I was like, I cannot, like... Well, it's a disgrace. Admit 
a sigh as deep as this warrants because it's about eco-terrorism. No, I don't care. Not that I don't care. Oh, oh, but you're going to like this. Um, So in the 2015 version, the new Bodhi says that they're going to blow up this mountain because it has, like, mineral deposits in it. I don't know where mineral deposits are deposited, okay? No, and I don't have time to Yeah, and then Johnny's like, we're going to steal it? And then the new Bodhi says, no, we're going to liberate it. (laughs) Like... (laughs) <laughs> I quit. I quit everything. <laughs> I'm going back to American Eagle. I'm going to go fold jeans and just cry into the pockets every day. And I was like, this is not great. This is very bad. Also, can I be real? And maybe I'm alone here, but I am always on the side of the bank robbers or the organized crime outlet in almost every movie I watch. Yes. Even in the town. Have you watched The Town? No. Ben Affleck is in it. Sad. No, no sad. thank you. Okay. Listen to I'm me. Leaving now. Okay. I'm walking away. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for coming on. So this now will be about the town. Why was Blake Lively in it? Just kidding. There are rumors. But anyways. She's like cilantro. She like serves no purpose, but she's just there. I, and like people either accept it quietly or they're like, I fucking hate this. <laughs> She's listening at home. She's like, I wanted to be on that podcast. Well, not anymore. I will not come on. So basically, the whole thing of the town, is, they kind of nod a little bit to Point Break because mm-hmm. it's this like bank robbing gang from Boston. Yeah. And like Jeremy Renner's in it. I can't. I don't know why I'm attracted to like him in this. I don't know what's wrong with me. Things, no, I get it. Thank I you. Understand. Maybe the hypermasculinity. I don't know what it is. And also he just feels like the kind of. Is he Italian? I don't think he is. I don't know what he is. But I just envision like a very stable Italian life in New Jersey with Jeremy Renner. Like the mayor in American Hustle. Where he would like buy you... um, Pasta. No, he'd buy you jewelry every time you give birth. Like, hey, um, I don't know what you feel like, but here's a gold necklace. I would love that. And I won't give birth because I don't want to. But I would (laughs) like some jewelry. That would be fine. (laughs) Jeremy Renner. He used to be a makeup artist. Really? Yeah. There you go, guys. New fact of the day. He, like, went on Ellen even and was, like, the perfect face. It's, like, eyebrows, um, mascara, lipstick, done. Contouring with Jeremy Renner. Yeah. He used to do makeup on Hollywood, like, and, like... That's amazing. Yeah. I didn't know that. It's kind of cool, eh? It is cool. So the town is about this group of bank robbers, and they go in, and they wear masks. Ta-da. <laughs> um, and then what happens is they take... Uh, Rebecca Hall is hostage out of a bank because there's like a whole thing that goes wrong and then Jeremy Renner is kind of like the leader of the gang and is just like I got her license I'll watch her to make sure she doesn't like rat on us and Ben Affleck's like I will take care of it and then he starts dating her and then Jeremy Renner finds out and it's like it's not a love story at all. Yeah. Like, you're like, what the fuck are you doing? And then, yeah. of course, everything goes to shit. Like, John's, John Hamm is in it as the FBI agent. But it's kind of this whole, like, star-crossed lovers. But I cheer for the bank robbers every time, even though, even though I know that they're bank robbers. It, well, it's like in Point Break. I'm sad. I mean, it is capitalism. We are being blatantly exploited by corporations. Obviously, I'm going to cite with the bank robbers. I have so right. many student loans. <laughs> I worked at a bank, and my friend got held up once. Um, and she got passed a note, and the guy, and it was just like, take oh, no. out everything of you because you basically like the whole and this is I'm sure it has changed because it's been since like 2008 since I worked at yeah. bank but you'd have to like go to the machine and swipe your card and you put in your pin and it gives you the maximum amount oh my goodness so he would like and then you would have to if your adrenaline could help you remember to take the dye pack and put it in yeah most robbers already know about it though so they're like leave the dye pack 
like da da da. And so she like just slided over and they just left. Like those kind of big holdups don't really happen in yeah. that way. Yeah. But it's not like they even trained us at the bank to be like, if you ever get held up, fucking give that. It's not your money. It's not our money. It's like, don't worry about it. Everyone's money is insured. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah, they're not quick. I mean, look at Dog Day Afternoon is like the sweatiest bank robber movie of all time. Like, has anyone sweaty. ever noticed that there's so much sweat going on? Like, I cannot It focus. makes me feel, it's why when I watched um, Wild Wild Country, everyone looked so sweaty and I'm like, I hate this. Yeah, and I'm like very particular about my deodorant. I use natural deodorant. I okay, use Schwitz deodorant. This isn't a plug. I just really, really love them. Listen. So much. Like, it's a de- it, it, it does what deodorant is meant to do. You put it on and you feel like you just took a shower. Okay. Oh, that's nice. And I just couldn't, I just don't like, like, I love Al Pacino. I think Dog Day Afternoon is a great movie, but it is also unnecessarily sweaty. I just don't, yeah, I need, I mean, um, one time my friend Sarah McDonald uh, described me as, she's like, you are very, um, what was it, controlling and hygienic. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, and I mean both of those things with love. And I'm like, those are the nicest well, I mean, things yeah. anyone has ever said to me. You are. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So... If we were to rob a bank. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> if we I would were, bring Schmidt's deodorant. <laughs> <laughs> and I would bring mm, a Nixon mask. <laughs> Do you think um, there was a reason that it was panned critically when it came out? And do you think it would have been received differently now in, if it had come out this way, not in the time? Like, we're not ever talking about the remake, just so everyone is aware. And it didn't exist to us. Um, well, because she was at the beginning of the, her career, I think... Um, Catherine Bigelow was trying to be taken seriously and she kind of did a bunch of studio films to kind of get her foot in the door and I feel like Point Break was kind of her chance to make her mark because she did like I do believe that she took a traditionally like masculine like male action genre and flipped it over its head and kind of parried it a little bit yeah with um, the way that the characters of Johnny and Bodhi were depicted I I think it would I don't know if it would be a commercial success right now because I mean the best picture of the year was a movie by a Mexican guy about um, a woman who falls in love with a fish. Well, I mean... So anything could happen. It really... Like, Guillermo del Toro making that movie about me and my boyfriend <laughs> was a real stepping stone for me to finally talk about, like, my personal life and what I look for in an amphibian and <laughs> um, I have gills and it's fine. I feel like it would have been, ugh, they would have cast like Zac Efron or something and it would have been pushed to the side. Like it just wouldn't have had its moment. And I think um, Catherine Bigelow, who, by the way, had a very intense philosophical education at Columbia University where she studied under Susan Sontag and Edward Said. So she like knows her stuff. So when I, so do you. Holy when shit. I, when I say that she was very like intentional about the gender politics of the film, I like truly believe it. See, I feel like your piece got, I'm like really mad they didn't get a good mark because you're talking about something that I think is like, it's so bananas to, that movie is bananas in and of itself. And yeah. it, like if you, if you were to sit down at a fucking park bench and tell just someone the plot and they had no idea what you're talking about, they'd be like, oh, wow, what a crazy dream you had. But then in 1991, these kind of movies, I think had this strange place where like the 80s brought like futuristic like over the top um, apocalyptic ideals in certain showcases and then the early 90s were like I I mean I lived them there's a lot of neon you know what I mean like anything kind of went and then this I I don't think it could have existed in a different time because it would have been some sort of either like campy weird like 
Zac Efron vehicle or yeah. something like Spring Breakers, which isn't understood by like the masses. Yeah. Or something that's like cheesy in like they overplay the romance to make it almost inauthentic by making it super authentic where they're like suggesting and it's like a wink and it's like wait is this an actual love story or are you guys just like pandering yeah or i think like you're kind of onto this really cool moment that actually paved the way for a lot of other films and a lot of other um characters and a lot of other like god even like Surf movie boom kind of existed around like Thank you. Yeah. Um, also, another thing to note is at the time, um, Hollywood was really struggling to depict queer characters mm-hmm. or homosexuality in general with or anything that really like, quote unquote, deviated from heterosexuality without it being a tragedy. Mm-hmm. So queer characters were constantly getting killed off. And so I feel like Bigelow was had to really approach this tentatively where... I mean, Bodhi does die, but he dies on his own terms. He doesn't get killed. He's kind of like, this is what I'm into. This is my life. This is my philosophy. You don't have to understand it. I'm just going to do it. And he's been talking about it for a very long time. Yeah. Also, closure is fake, but you do get this confrontation between Johnny and Bodhi where they're kind of like, their faces just say it. They're like, I wish you didn't have to make this so difficult. Like, I, you, you wouldn't accept me as I am, which is an FBI agent. And I accepted you as you are, which is a surfer criminal who robbed banks. And um, I feel like movie, like a movie like Point Break did really – a direct example that I can think of is um, the show Animal Kingdom, mm-hmm. which follows the Codys, who are a California family of, like, brothers and foster brothers. And they also – it is very it, – it, it gives a nod to – it nods to Point Break because um, – they're also into surfing and they steal because that's how they make their money. But there's one character in particular, Darren Cody, who is um, reckoning with his with hegemonic masculinity and his own queerness, where he's trying to like really find his own place to like come into his sexual identification, but also continue being the macho man that he is. And I think Point Break is the reason that we can have storylines like that, where the two can coexist. Mm-hmm. And I'm also fascinated by any TV depictions of ensembles of Caucasian men engaging in violence for no reason. I mean, I told you, I love Peaky Blinders. We both love Peaky Blinders. Why can't you just get a real job and have a, a real business? Like four seasons of Tommy Shelby just trying to have a legitimate business. Could have done that from day one, Tommy. Get a loan from the bank. <laughs> I know, but I watch it. And I think as so- <laughs> I think as someone that, like, I, I don't know, like maybe... I think that's also, like, that fantasy of, like, the outlaw fantasy yeah. where it's, like, in real life, it's brutal. It's not glamorous. It's yeah. not fun. It's horrific and heartbreaking and, like, people's families are torn apart and lives are ended. But in Hollywood and in fiction or if you apply, like, a certain realm of it to, like, I don't know, if you watch, like, The Godfather is one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. But, like, Michael made choices and they were all bad choices. Yeah. But it's that ideal that's, like yes, but he did it for the family. And you're like, of course, yes, this makes sense. But if we were, like, in it, it would be horrific. Like, and I think in Point Break, too, if you were, like, like, what do you, like, Patrick Swayze, like, what are you doing? Like, just stop. You don't, no one knows it's you. You could just hop on a plane to Australia whenever you want and just, like. Also, why is a man in his 40s hanging out with a bunch of, like, 20-something-year-old server kids? What the fuck is wrong with you? (laughs) You're a (laughs) fuck-up. Like, there's a lot of things. Also, what kind of conditioner do you use? Because your hair is super shiny. It is so But it's, like, feathery and shiny, so it's, I know it's not, like, super oily. Listen, 
That is my nobody cares and you stole it from me. Patrick Swayze's hair in all of his films is just either full of volume or full of life. And it's such a beautiful blonde color too. It is. And you can't, that's not a bottle blonde. Or if it is, you have somebody very fancy working on it. It is sun-kissed. I tried to do that one year to my own hair. (laughs) Guess how it went. I have brown hair now. Okay, and it so, looks great. Well, thank you. I did it just for you. <laughs> um, my real question, though, now that we've hit thirty minute mark, are you up for some rapid fire questions? Yes, great. I'm scared. Um, <laughs> awesome. Biggest regret in life? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let's get real. These five minutes we have. Uh, what's a favorite? What's your favorite scene in the movie? Oh my god, my favorite scene in the movie. Oh, there's so many. I have to say, it's in the beginning where he Johnny Utah like walks in to um is it called Quantico? Sure. Let's call it Quantico. What is the, the head FBI What is the head office There's of sh- the FBI calls? It's in Langley. That's all I know. <laughs> it's a, whatever. Langley, Quantico, whatever. Yeah, and he walks in and um he what does the other guy, his boss calls him, he's like, oh, you're just like young, dumb, and full of cum. And I was like, that is so unnecessary. Isn't that also a lyric from a rap song? But it like you just described every like straight 20-something-year-old guy. So thank you. And another scene is um, when he confronts Gary Busey's character, um, Angelo Pappas, who's his partner. And um, he yells at him and he was like, I was taking bullets in Vietnam, like in Quezon, while you were like crapping in your hands and rubbing it on your face. And I was like, have you met a baby in your life? Like, were you, do you know one baby? Does not, were you ever a baby? Or do you just think that's... Why do you think that's a baby? Who, why have you never seen a baby? Yeah, I can't... I honestly can't pick a favorite scene. There's so many of them that are just like... That can stand alone and be a movie on its own. Okay, well, what's your favorite exchange then between Patrick Swayze and Keanu Reeves? Definitely when they're like rubbing up against each other while they're playing football and everybody else is like guys why are you fighting and i'm like no no guys look away like yeah this is very top gun in a different way yeah because keanu's wearing like a ridiculous outfit that is so cute and i'm gonna wear it this summer he's wearing a crop top yeah and really really nice jeans i'm gonna say that they're levi 501s let's just say they were yeah and that's my that's one of my favorite exchanges between them and also um when he asks him, like, what's he looking for? And he's like, the ultimate ride. And I'm like, right. Love. That, yeah. <laughs> and the ultimate ride was love all along. In the, in the end, the <laughs> ultimate ride. Was was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> Robbing banks in That's California. the tagline of the film. <laughs> the ultimate ride are the friendships we make. <laughs> um, okay, if you could change one thing about this movie, what would it be? Anthony Kiedis' hair. Like, I know he's only there to, like... <sighs> cause trouble and fight but like it was so ugly it was like shaved on the sides i can't and he had a ponytail but it was also like there was one there were braids instead of side sideburns he had very long braids like dangling and he just looked like someone i've never watched lord of the rings but i'm just assuming that that's what they look like i haven't watched it either but i assume that's like a legolas look alex has he cannot believe (sighs) that we i did go see all the hobbit films so that was because I was bored for three consecutive Christmases. Well, haven't you seen that scene in Friends where um, they're talking about their friend, Ross and Chandler are talking about their friend Gandalf, and then Joey's like, why do you guys call him Gandalf the Wizard? And he's like, because of Lord of the Rings. And he's like, what? I don't get it. And he's like, haven't you ever read Lord of the Rings in high school? And he's like, no, I was having (laughs) sex in high school. (laughs) But like, 
I just remember, I remember everyone being upset. All movies came out when I was in high school. And no no I, diss to Lord of the Rings. No, Lord, yeah, so love it. Go for it, guys. Um, I remember just looking at it and being like, this is not, this is not for me. I'm going to go. I'm going to leave wherever this is. I gotta go. I, I just get the, they're just, they're looking for a ring, right? They're looking for one ring, and it takes them how long? Like four, four movies, d years <laughs> to get through it. I think there's like, I know there's like a guy. Um, there are some of them are small, uh, and then <laughs> someone's old. Some of them are big. All of them are white. There are there are elf ears. <laughs> I it make I can't. It's just like it makes me feel like. Did you ever watch Kids in the Hall? Okay, well, there's this character that Mark McKinney plays, and he has a ponytail, and he's like, I'm Daryl. And they're like, Daryl? He's like, no, Daryl. <laughs> and I'm like, that's what I think that's about Lord of the Rings. when I think about Lord of the Rings. Yeah. <laughs> like Darryl. I feel like they're all named Daryl. And that's, I'm like, that sounds reasonable. And they sing and dance while they look for a ring. Yay! And who among us doesn't love shiny objects? It's got to have at least one musical number in it. Alex can someone confirm? His- Alex, can you confirm? Does it? No music? No song? I expect there'd be a couple like happy working songs. I mean, Shape of Water had some kind of dance number in it. I mean, I didn't see that, um, but I did see. Oh, he quits. Okay, <laughs> he just wrote on a post-it. I quit. New rule: if your movie is more than two hours long, it has to have a dance number in it. Or it just maybe it doesn't need to get made. I don't know. <laughs> just maybe think about maybe. Do you need to make a film? I mean, that ninety minutes day. is the sweet spot. Titanic Take the note. only exception. Yeah, all the filmmakers are listening right now. Audrey Paul one. Thomas Anderson is listening to this podcast, being like jotting this. He down. just ripped his earbuds out, and he's like, "Phantom Thread was a masterpiece." And in my Rudolph is like, "Shut up over there." Mary, did you? know that who paul thomas anderson and maya rudolph i know i love that i do too. if oh, i thought you meant daniel da- i'm like daniel no. day lewis is married he is married though what and, yeah he's married can you imagine though what a buzzkill as, as we like end on such a high note what a buzzkill it would be to be married to someone who was like i'm in character stacy i told you and you'd um, be like oh my god alex just gave me a very vindicated look he's like yeah daniel day lewis is married that's what you get for dissing yeah, lord of the rings very upset there he's like very this is i think what we will find is the reddit dedicated to lord of the rings was founded by alex um <laughs> When we all inevitably go Google that, a lot of fun things will be going on. I also did not notice that Alex's cape was hanging out behind the door, so I apologize for that. Your fingers are literally covered in rings. Okay. Well, I mean, my last question, I guess, is if you were Keanu, what would you have done in the movie? Oh, my God. 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 Ah! I would have, when I got to Bells Beach, Australia... Um, to find Bodhi, I would have looked at him and be like, hey, do you want to be my boyfriend? Yeah. And then he'll say yes. I love that. And then we'll ride the ultimate wave together and die. Or I would be like, you don't need to do that because the ultimate wave, dot, 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 is love. And I would go back to the scene where he orders shrimp and fries from Tyler and Endicott, and I would instead order chicken tenders. You know what? Chicken tenders are what I order from restaurants where I don't 100% trust the cooking because you can like open them up and see if they're cooked in the middle right away and be like, great. You know, I thought they were like a like a national dish in Canada. Um, they basically are. I, I moved here when I was 13 and I got my citizenship um, in high school. And then my friends um, made me wear plaid and we listened to like a country cover of the national anthem. No. And they took me to a Jack Astor's to celebrate. <laughs> And we, got, <laughs> and we got we got chicken tenders and fries and I thought that look, this is Canadian food. That is it. I mean it's technically it's American food. And 
poutine, yes. I can't eat poutine because I can't eat dairy. So um, I've been fucked since day one. I learned about poutine in middle school when everyone was just learning about, like, dirty sexual things. And I thought that poutine was something that you... Honestly, I'm sure <laughs> to some people happened. it is. I'm sure to in some a, people. In a union between a man and a woman. <laughs> like, I don't live in Quebec. Like, I don't yeah, know what goes on. Like, someone got poutine in the backseat on the weekend at, like, so-and-so's party. <laughs> if you are listening and you have used poutine as some sort of sexual something, please contact both of us because we would... Alex is desperately pointing at the time. He's like, you're out. Please stop it. Stop. Stop. Okay. Why don't you just tell the internet everything about you right now? Where can they find you? All righty. So I'm a writer. Mm -hmm. I currently write for sophomore about everything from pretentious beverages to women in revolution. You can find me on Instagram at Nurhan M. Hisham. That's it. And uh, same same handle on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That where will I, all be included in the write-up as well. Where I jack off all my thoughts into the Oh, matrix. spell that. How do I spell my name? Oh, um, so it's all the vowels. N-O-U-R-H-A-N-M-H-E-S-H-A-M. And I won the spelling bee. Yes, you did. Thank you, thank you. So, sophomore, you're also in school. Yes, I'm at U of T. Um, come today to New College to see me present my thesis <laughs> at Room 2008. Is that today? Yeah, it's legitimate. Like, I'm talking about Point Break, and then I'm going to talk about... Jesus Christ! <laughs> oh my God, why are you here? It's a I, I needed to do this. I needed to, I needed to lubricate my brain. Okay, this, I mean, if anything, I'm definitely like the candy you eat before you spoil your dinner, so I apologize. <laughs> oh my Lord. Okay, well, fuck. Can you, like, I, tell me how you do so that I can, like, brag about how well you do. Thank you. I, I will. I will. Also, you are a really, really, really great writer. And oh, thank you so much. I love your work so much. I love your work so much. Well, we love each other. Yes. It's how it is. Love it. All right. Well, listen, um, thank you so much for listening. This is Nobody Cares Except For Me. Remember, go to nobodycarespodcast.ca and tell me what you care about nobody else does and we'll read it here. Um, or don't and be weird, I guess. So anyways, next week, we have someone new. We'll talk about something else. That's how podcasts work. Okay, bye. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com